this is this is my um, broadcasting studio, as you can see. Um, this is where I do all my major business. You can see there's Sir Francis in the background. You're gonna have to do something about that. Can you actually see that it's him? No. Okay. But I don't have very good eyes. Can you, John? Can you see that? Uh, I I could see there was a picture, but I, yeah. I don't know what. I was wondering that because I just got this like home office set up, you know. And so I was curious if now at my new um, place of employment, everyone can see my chihuahua in the background. <laughs> you should get like a tapestry of it or tapestry. Yeah, <laughs> good idea. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. Okay, so this is very professional though. Like this, mm -hmm. it's pronounced bivet. Bivet. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. Yeah, actually it's working really well for me in like Washington. I bet it is, yeah. So so if we were if we were on like King Five's like, we got Megan Beaver here. <laughs> Every time, literally every time. So in, in meetings, I'm like, oh, I'm sorry, it's Bivet. <laughs> um, okay, so Megan Beaver. Bivet. Yeah, Megan Beaver and, 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 and Chelsea Isaacson. So. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> okay. Ladies and gentlemen, boys and girls, the infotainment freak show is about to begin. You are entering the Neo Joe Podcast! Neo Joe Podcast is hosted by John Isaacson. We will inform you as we entertain you and help you shorten your dang learning curve for professional development. Cowabunga dudes, we got... Socks. September is uh, <laughs> officially uh, kicking off. We've got six amazing teams that have signed on to help us raise socks for local charities. So we're super excited. It's the Diojo Podcast first annual Socktember competition style sock raiser in support of local charities. Whew. So um yeah already uh the competition starting to heat up merit construction of tacoma has an awesome video that their team put together um and uh we've got a link to that on the website thediojopodcast.com forward slash sock dash temper and um uh, uh kelsey isaacson's team out of puyallup washington has a mission impossible themed um, video as well, which we link to. So um, a lot of fun. Uh, Lindsay Ward's team, yeah, the ladies' teams are kind of kicking butt on um, stepping things up. But uh, they put some really cool pink boxes together and distribute those around Seattle. And uh, Luke Drager with uh, Drager with um, Aramsco is an official donation site and also working on putting an additional prize together in addition to the trophy and the bragging rights for being the 2020 sock raising champion. What happened? I won. So, new socks. If you don't have a local team to support, um, there are, so we mentioned there's Tacoma, Washington, Puyallup. Uh, we got Sumner and Vancouver, Washington. We've got uh, Seattle. We've got Reading, Pennsylvania, and we've even got a British Columbia, Canada team. So check out the website, see who's in your area. If you want to participate, but you don't have a local team, um, there's still time to put one together. Or 
Uh, we have an Amazon wish list set up on the Diojo podcast website, and you can safe contactless uh, donation to Socktember. So again, new socks. This isn't just an excuse to clean out your old sock drawer. New socks going to be distributed to local charities. Um, and if you just want to give to a local charity too and tag, we'll, we'll gladly, you know, um, the more the merrier. So thank you uh, for those that are participating and supporting. We've already got socks streaming in. These are two of the donations um, that came in already. So thank you. In the world of people management, right? Most of us that get into management have demonstrated some level of skill in the products or services or the trades that we're in. So in construction, property restoration, insurance, um, you know, most of us have skills in the field, skills to pay the bills. But then, so you, you've demonstrated you can do something in the company and then you get promoted to management, right? Okay, you're the manager now. So you're great at leading yourself. You know, you've, you've crushed it in sales or blah, 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 blah. So let's make you a manager, right? Here you go. And there's um, very often there's not a process of training or um, understanding of like managing others is different than managing yourself, you know, incredibly different. So uh, we throw people into these situations where people skills you know, and managing people is a skill set, right? You know, and it's like any kind of muscle, you gotta work it and learn it and trial and error, make mistakes. And uh, so it's always been interesting to me, you know, people talk about, well, management is just babysitting, right? Well, part of that process is not having a process. You don't have a people process. So we talk about in the blueprints for success, you know, people, process, production, progress, and so people and process, you need a people process, right? So teaching people how to um, manage others, not just feeling like you're babysitting, you know, um, those kinds of things. And that's, you know, a negative mindset. I, I, I'm sure you're familiar with the video we recently put out on who's responsible for common sense in your organization. It's been watched by tens. Of statement. Uh, <laughs> uh, I guess common sense isn't so so common anymore. Well, co common common sense just isn't that common anymore, is it? You you ain't got no common sense, do ya? Hey pal, you just blowing from stupid town? Uh, very popular worldwide. It's um, you know, perhaps. The most famous video the Diojo has ever, ever put out talking about common sense. So, I mean, that alone would be a reason to watch it, right? Am I right? Yeah, I am right. I am. So, um, but, <laughs> um, you know, that idea that uh, expecting others, and that's a management concept, expecting others to just, you know, magically pick it up rather than having a consistent onboarding and training process and helping people develop, recognizing and adapting your system. So I am excited. We're bringing on two very talented ladies that work in the school system. And so some of you may be scratching your head, why the heck would this even matter or apply? But as I would talk to these two about their program, Step Up to Success, when I was managing in Seattle, it was amazing and, and, it, and it goes across, you know, my 
management history prior and management history now, um, how many similarities there are to the challenges people face in an educational setting. And think about it this way, the, the kids that struggle and have issues in school enter the workforce and a lot of times they still have those similar struggles and issues. And some of them become technicians, some of them get into middle management, some of them become executives, you know. So understanding, uh, their program's called um, support, a support system. So understanding, you know, the majority of your people need this level of support and there's going to be a certain number of people that need a higher level of support. And then, and then there's, you know, kind of um, some of the people, and it could be short duration or long duration, that need more intensive directed support. And so thinking about people as individuals, how to interact with them, how to identify some of those things. So, um, you know, for those of you in management think people just need to snap and get in line then uh, this is probably not the episode for you, but those of you that are looking for like, you know, man, I, I, I'm, I'm having some challenges. I need to connect with people a little bit better. I need to learn better how to, you know, understand and work with the current and incoming workforce, then I think you'll find a lot of value in this um, podcast episode with our friends at Step Up to Success. Hey. So we're officially rolling now. Ready? Be everybody professional now. All right. We're here with Chelsea Isaacson and Megan Baver. Uh, so, okay. So we got Kelsey Isaacson, <laughs> the beautiful and talented. <laughs> okay. All right. No, we'll start off more professional. So. Foul. No, two fouls. Foul? I didn't touch anybody. Yeah, thanks. Take four. We are here with um, Kelsey Isaacson, currently a realtor with Redfin International Conglomerate Organization taking over the world, and Megan Bevay, uh, associate principal of Lake Washington, um, of a elementary school in Lake Washington School District, right? So that's just, for people that aren't familiar with the area, that's just uh, below Seattle, right? In Bellevue? Yeah, they're kind of kind of east of Seattle. East of Seattle. So, yeah, for our international listeners, you know. Mm-hmm. Both um, of us know which direction east is. Yep. Yeah. <laughs> Away from the ocean, right? Um, so, you two have worked. Megan, you started a program called Step Up to Success. Um, and that's part of, um, po- uh, under the umbrella of positive behavior intervention and supports, right? Mm-hmm. Yes. So, um, how did that idea come to be, and then um, how did uh, the two of you meet and start uh, evolving that program? Well, so that's Max, by the way. Sorry about that. That's my coworker. He's a twelve-year-old Chihuahua um, in my broadcasting studio. He's got an opinion. Um, yeah, he's very interested. He actually has oppositional defiant disorder. <laughs> Is he <laughs> so one of my first subjects? He's yeah, right so now. he's you know, of course. But you know, the idea sort of came from first of all having ten years in a diverse school district where the conversation was always about student behavior. 
right? Why is this student having this issue? What's going on here? Why is this happening? And teachers kind of coming from a mentality of they weren't sure what to do and they didn't feel like they had support. And this is before we were talking about adverse childhood experiences and really before we were talking about restorative practices. And it was just about how do I get this kid out? Mm -hmm. And I quickly started to realize that that was creating a pattern of exclusion that was disproportionately harming students who were exhibiting challenging behaviors. And so it just so happened that I was on the path to administration in my last year in the classroom in 2016. I had three students that had really significant behaviors and I happened to um, be assigned in my classroom three different really awesome paraeducators. And the principal's idea at the time was that these paraeducators were going to be one-on-ones for these students exhibiting challenging behaviors. But it really didn't work well, right? Like we weren't communicating, things weren't going very well, and it was just really disorganized and kids were just being taken out now by different people. And so it was in that year that we started functioning like a team of people. And this team of people were in constant communication. We started to learn about implementing interventions, the the homeschool connection, and it just sort of naturally evolved that year. Um, And as we worked together, we realized that this is actually a systemic approach that could be really replicated on a larger scale. So you... uh... I think some people might be like, um, you know, I tuned in because our, our, our typical audience is property restoration, uh, construction and, and insurance, right? And so we three have had conversations about how kids that struggle in school become, they enter the workforce at some point, right? I mean, they're all looking for jobs and those kinds of things. So a lot of people struggle to connect with young professionals. And then sometimes you get people that, um, you know, act out and those kinds of things. So can you... I want to try to avoid, you know, like industry speak or or not avoid it, but like explain it. So what do you mean when you talk about challenging behaviors and adverse? I mean, I think people, everybody has their perception of what school is like and what it's like to be a teacher, right? But what did did that mean? I guess maybe with those three kids, what are challenging behaviors and what kind of interventions were you guys starting to implement? Well, here's what's actually really interesting because I really think like challenging behavior is just human behavior. Like Kelsey and I say that all the time, like human behavior is human behavior. So yes, like as a five-year-old, you're seeing them yelling and screaming and, you know, maybe hurting other kids or hurting adults or running away. But really, if you think about it in the workplace, a young 20-something or people who haven't really become more self-aware, you're seeing the same kind of behaviors, Mm -hmm. people retreating people um, being really passive-aggressive. Thanks, George. You want to say that one more time without the sarcasm? Yeah. People who are not able to have conversations, people who become super defensive, right? People who have that immediate fight or flight. You know, I mean, I think that Kelsey and I have had conversations just even about, like, your um, kind of career transition. Like, you're experiencing people who don't know how to regulate themselves in the workforce. I think that's accurate. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) So same, same. Yeah. So, um, okay. So, so as you are going through this process, then in your mind, well, could you, what is kind of, so that the extremes, right. Are, um, 
you know, everybody remembers when teachers had rulers and just could basically yeah. whack a kid, right? <laughs> that's right. And that's totally corporal punishment. Like that's an extreme or um, extreme, like zero tolerance policies. Yeah. Like you spot a line, you're out, you're suspended, you're expelled, you're in the office, yeah. all in the office. That's the that's yeah. like our worst. Go to the office, go to the office, go to the office. Yeah. And just sit there. Right. So you got uh, on, on one extreme, there's punishment only. And then on the other extreme, there's rewards only, right? You know, and you yes. see it all the time in the grocery store. If you'll just shut the hell up, we'll give you a lollipop, right? You know, or, and just, just both create, both have pros and cons, right? They have some value. Um, and uh, yeah. um, so is, is positive, because that's, uh, I know from talking to both of you, I mean, some of that was the, the, the view is that you, all you're doing is rewarding bad behavior, you're yeah. penalizing the good kids. All these kids need is a, is a whooping and, uh, and you'll fix the problem, right? <laughs> yeah. Yeah, absolutely. Well, okay. So one of the things that I think that, that was really interesting is that, yes, that's absolutely what people think. And there's a huge spectrum of in between. And I also think people really misunderstand, um, misunderstand not only human behavior, but the way in which we can intervene. Um, I think that, I don't know, Kelsey, like when I was first explaining it to you, like, what did you think when you came into it? Well, I don't think it was real, honestly, okay. because I had never experienced that kind of behavior um, mm -hmm. from adults or children. So, you know, when I first came in, Megan was like, you know, so what experiences you have? And I said, you know, I had a, I had a student push a desk at me and Megan's <laughs> like, oh, Oh, okay. Yeah. That must've been really rough. <laughs> and like for me coming from, you know, a very rural, um, school, um, you know, where most of the students, you know, there was not a diversity, there was not a, that, that there was an income issue, but nobody talked about it, you know? And so, um, you know, and, and I didn't realize that there was such an income, um, you know, gap where we lived, um, because it was just no one, no one said anything. And so, um, I had dealt with some of those things, like as far as income, you know, barriers and problems. Um, and I had one student who, who pushed me into a corner with the desk, you know, but that was, you know, that was it. And I actually thought that was very major, you know, so at the time that seemed like at the time. Yeah. 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 Mm -hmm. yeah. Well, do you remember what, but that was part of, even in the rural setting, right? Um, they still called it when in Pleasant Hill, they called it positive behavior. PBIS, yeah. Mm -hmm. yeah. I was um, in, in Pleasant Hill. It was, um, I believe my title was like the PBIS um, interventionist. That's what they, they, my title was. Mm -hmm. So it's, so, yeah. it's intervention and supports, right? So the goal is how do we, um, prevent something before it happens. And then if it does happen, how do we support mm -hmm. it is the key, right? Yeah. I can just, yeah, I know like, uh, you know, a lot of traditional people, you know, would be like, um, you know, uh, there's no support needed, right? Yeah. yeah. <laughs> there yes. there yes. just needs to be a, and so. so many 100%. Well, okay. So, so full disclosure, right? I mean, we, we believed in spanking our kids. I, don't believe like I was raised that that's the only way to do it. But I do feel like whatever you do, and that's what we've, parents that ask us, I say, 
man, you don't have to spank, but whatever you do, you have to be consistent. So if you are spanking and you do it in anger and there's not a process for it, that's abuse, right? You are abusing. And I think that's what people like respond to. And so there yeah, needs to, it's not just like you fly off the handle and start whacking people, right? right? You know, there needs to be a conversation and a process. Um, but the same thing, if you're going to do timeouts or some kind of reward system, I mean, you know, that is always frustrating in the, you know, in the grocery store. It's like, yeah, I'll get you an ice cream. If you just be quiet, you know, and it's like, that's called, it's like literally negotiating or we call it nattering too, like going over and over. Okay. Okay. Here, do you want this? Okay. Do you want this? Okay. Do you want this? And like, this isn't a negotiation, nor is it nattering, but if you don't pick up my new book, Be Intentional Estimating, you're, you're just going to be crying in a shopping cart. A lot of people want to crap on Xactimate and say, you know, the program's rigged or broken, but I feel, especially for new contractors, and, and maybe you're a great skilled person, but you're not great at estimating or you don't yet know um, what the metrics are for estimating. So, so the common back in the day, back in the day, because I'm so old, was RS means you looked up a book and it showed you by region, it showed you by area, what standardized pricing was for particular trades. And it has, you know, if you're in this area, this area, here's the, you know, the percentage, um, cost, difference, variance, whatever. Xactimate in a lot of ways does that. And so for, especially for new contractors, new entrepreneurs, it can be a great way. Don't treat it like the Bible, right? That it that it's the only way, but it'll give you, if you put your time in to do an accurate sketch, it'll give you square footage counts for walls and ceilings. You can get linear footage counts for your baseboard and it will help you print out, you know, materials list and it'll give you basic um, budget for your hours, you know, for production so that you know um, how much time the project should tell you based on very basic metric. A lot of times people want to complain about the tools and they're not learning how to use the tools correctly. So hopefully Be, be Intentional Estimating by John Isaacson will help you develop the right mindset and habits for um, yourself and your team to succeed with estimating property insurance claims. Less is more situations. Nattering, yeah. What is nattering? So wow. nattering is basically what you're describing. Like, you know, I mean, you're either like, be quiet, stop, be quiet, please stop, be quiet, be quiet. And you're not giving like firm commands um, or like you're just giving the kid whatever they want with like you said, well, do you want ice cream? Do you want a supper? Yeah. Do you want a well, And you know, it's so um, funny about that is like, it sometimes is so easy to do and you don't even know you do it, right? Because oh. one time we were, you know, um, talking with a, a student and um, Megan has always says, we do not negotiate. Like there is no negotiating, <laughs> you know? I, and it's true. Like, it's very true. Like we were very consistent. And I remember, which is why, you know, I feel like Megan and I were a good team because we could easily say like, I don't, I don't agree with you on that. And, you know, Megan was the, the lead on the team and I learned and followed her. But sometimes I would say, uh, you just negotiated, you know what I mean? And she'd be like, oh. And so then we'd have to kind of backtrack and then, or I'd say, you just negotiated. She's like, I know I did because mm -hmm. I want, I did it because of this, this, and this, you know? Yeah. So um, I think it's important to, when you're in those types of things, just like parenting, right? You have a teammate that you can say, I don't agree with what you just did. And then they can say, okay, like, 
that's fine. But this is why I did it. And then you're like, okay, like, you know what I mean? Like, okay, that's why you did it. Then we'll keep moving forward. You know, just yeah. so you know, I don't agree with it. You know, like really like Megan was like a, you know, a spouse at work because there were some times where she would say, Oh, Kelsey, like that was not good. And then I'd say, well, what would I, what could I have done differently? And then, you know, you kind of talk it through and you kind of figure it out. And then next time you just do see it benefits the student as well as your team, you know, yeah. because you're moving forward with a better plan, a new, I mean, that job just was constantly like a learning job. Yeah. And I had a lot of questions and I had a lot of learning in a short amount of time because yeah. there's not really time to, um, process, you know, until you're done. And so having that someone to be able to process it through, talk it through, um, say, oh, that was our, that was a misstep. You know, we should have done it differently this time. And then actually being able to remember and move forward with that learning of that misstep, you yeah. know? So I think that's, that's what made it the most successful. Just like I feel like, you know, parenting, any kind of the consistent, like recognizing you're going to make mistakes and you're going to misstep. Um, but having a plan moving forward and having that communication and that conversation. Well, that's uh, yeah, I think, especially that's more my experience in parenting and then obviously at the workplace, right? Like you have to have a plan. I think you guys have brought that up multiple times. Um, yeah. You have to have some kind of plan. What, what are you going to do? Right. Mm -hmm. And then uh, like you mentioned is supporting each other. So in the moment, like somebody may be veering off the rails and unless yep. if they're going into territories that are illegal or those kinds of things and you step in, but otherwise you just, you got to support whoever's taking the lead. Right. And well, then have that conversation and review the process. Yeah. I think that's what's really hard in finding a teammate. You know, John, I we've talked about that. Like it's so rare to be able to have a teammate let you go off the rails and let it happen yeah. and not um, embarrass you in the middle of it or say something in the middle of it, you know, to be able to have a workmate or coworker to have that conversation with kind of in private when you're debriefing or you're talking about what you know, you could have done, it's so, it's so rare to have that kind of relationship. It says here we should work in teams. Who wants to be my spotter? Well, and I guess on the extreme of that though, is if you do see somebody doing something illegal or okay. life threatening, right? Like it is your obligation or yeah. your moral obligation to say, Hey, <laughs> this is not right. You know, like, yep you're doing something illegal, you're doing something that's life-threatening. But if it's somebody just kind of making a mistake and rolling with the punches, then, you know, that's, that's a different scenario. Um, yeah. yeah. And then adapt as you go. So step up to success, Megan, was mm -hmm. kind of your um, brainchild, your baby, uh, yeah. for um, your uh, trademark version of PBIS, right? And so you said yeah. like around 2016, the, the school year, 2016, 2017, you mm -hmm. were a teacher at that time. You were in the classroom at that time. Yep. Kindergarten teacher. So what's, uh, what's kind of different about um, what are some of the unique aspects of how you're forming that or that program formed in your mind and continues to evolve, I guess. Mm -hmm. Yeah, well, so for me, like, the thing that's difficult is, like, as you can see, like, with even a Google search, like, PBIS, like, has millions of different 
yeah. millions of different people who are marketing it, right? Like hundreds of different schools using it across the state, across the country. Um, and so it's really tricky because when you are looking and searching for positive behavior, you can get just tons and tons of different ideas and interventions. And teachers have had those ideas and interventions and like reward systems for lots of years. But what no one did was systematize it. So no one talked about the connection between having a really good structured classroom. And I mean, like, this can be in businesses too. Like, what are your, what's your vision? What's your routines? What's your procedures? How does the way your company or your classroom run? Like, that's what people didn't say. That's really important first, right? So that was like kind of my first thing. And then this is the way that you are going to use all of those positive behavior intervention supports to help students, right? So that was the next step because this program kind of came with what was totally new and unique, which was a behavior support team, right? And that was something that no school had in our entire district. And so it was like the whole idea was that this model is a consultation model. Right. And so the model is that you can go into any school and you have a team of people like the step up to success team that works with your principal to diagnose the holes in that structure in the school and in classrooms and then creates this team of people who then help teachers intervene. consult with teachers on challenging behaviors and then train a team of people on how they can respond. So it really, it really could help in any situation to create a company that was like more structured and really knew how to solve problems, really knew how to have the conversation and work together. Our niche was, you know, student behavior and like mine still is, but I would argue that like that vision, the why, the purpose, the structure of a company is so important for success. And then having even a constant, a consulting team of people to work with human relationships, I think it could really change places. Does, um, so in that sense, like, um, with, uh, you hit it on the head, the structure, right? Having a vision and values, right? If, if, if you don't have vision and values in, in, maybe you're working at a school or you're working at a company that's not clear on their vision and values, right? Like you said, this is my classroom. So these are my vision and my values. This is how I'm going to structure it. I know I've taken that approach, whether it's managing a whole office or just managing a team, or if you're just managing yourself, right? Same kind of thing. You may be in a system that's not super clear, but you can create you can create the clarity as much as you are able in the realm that you're responsible for. Mm-hmm. So I think that that was a conversation is for teachers. How does PBAS equip teachers to do it better? Like the focus is obviously on the kids, but it actually makes a better, the goal is to make a better environment for the teachers as well in the, the school as a whole. Right. So, yeah, exactly. so I guess maybe for a teacher or a manager now maybe they're in a system that doesn't have clarity on their vision and values. Mm-hmm. What does that look like? And then maybe we'll roll that into if you're a higher level person like you've become, what mm-hmm. does that look like? So let's start with the, maybe you're a teacher or a manager, you're at a company that's not super clear on their vision and values. What can you do at your classroom you know, team level to um, help yourself and help the people that you're working with? 
Well, I think the first thing is you have to really figure out then in your specific arena, like in my classroom, it was first like, what is like my why, right? Like, why am I here? And you hear that all the time, right? But I don't think that many people really think about it. And so it was like, what is my why? And what impact do I want to have on this group of students? I mean, and now- New group each year, right? New group each year, right? And every, it's always evolving because people need different things. But what I realized was that like my why was that like every student, all means all, gets what they need and gets what they deserve. Hmm. So that is what required now, you're talking about different interventions, observation, utilizing structures to support all the needs of every student right but once I got really clear about that like once I got really clear about why I was doing what I was doing I was able to communicate that constantly right Mm -hmm. so it was like once I every person that came into my classroom like I would have those three pair educators that I told you about but other people came come in too like recess teachers and this and it was like well this kid did this and we're not going to have him here anymore it was like "Mm, that's not really part of my why let me tell you about it well, this kid's doing this and I'm not going to have you. Well, that's not really part of my why. Let me tell you about it. You know, and it was like, that's how it started to form in my mind, like this crystal clear ability to, as a small organization, right, take in the information that I needed, learn and grow and help because it was always aligned with a specific purpose. Yeah. Well, what's so... What's funny too, like Kelsey, when you got started with it, right? It's a, it was a position, right? Hey, uh, yeah, 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 we do PBIS here. <laughs> and it's kind of, um, it, it seems like we do that with a lot of things like, you know, right now, diversity and inclusion, right? So it's like hire somebody and now it's that person's responsibility. If it fails, we'll fire them, we'll get a new one, right? And so the, all these initiatives, and I think that goes back to what you said, Megan, is like having a structure and a vision yeah. It's like, it's not enough. You can't just hire one person. They're responsible for the program. And then if it doesn't get implemented, you know, cause it has to come from the top down, right? It has uh, to. Oh yeah, absolutely. Top down and then bottom up. Speaking of top down and bottom up and leading by example and being accountable for your organization and not just blaming others. Uh, let's take a look at this video made by the Dojo. It brought me back to a conversation I was having with Elon Posmonic on episode eight. He's from his company's called Born to Repair. Episode eight of the Diojo podcast, we talk about um, he does remote repair for drying equipment. And what's your most expensive drying equipment and property restoration? It's your dehues. And so he was talking about how techs don't always strap down their dehues. And um, I was talking about and kind of point counterpoint how well there's times when people skimp on not providing the straps or in the vans we don't have a setup where there's a place to strap them to so you know you end up having to get creative if you've ever been a technician and been in a van you know you're trying to stuff dehues against each other so they fall into each other and then you put the air movers around them because your boss is too cheap to buy you know a six dollar ratchet strap you know we've had battles in the past where not you know people have rickety bungee cords that you know the equipment's bobbling around in the truck and those kinds of things and And what i also recommend is to uh, assign a person who is in charge 
of making sure that the equipment is uh, being used correctly. And I, I find that uh, usually the operation manager is like a really busy man and yeah. he doesn't really have time to, to deal with that. But if you have a, a warehouse manager uh, or anybody who stays in the office, just give him the authority to go into the trucks before the people leave at 8.30 in, in the morning, before they leave to the jobs, go into the trucks, make sure that uh, the right filters are installed, make sure that the machines are clean before they show up on a job, make sure that they are tied in correctly, yeah. that they are standing correctly. And also what really helps is to have a person that makes, makes sure that when the uh, machines come back from a job that they are um, uh, downloaded from the truck uh, correctly. So what, what's, uh, I guess once you got to, um, got in connection with Megan, how does that look like looking back on being kind of thrown into positive behavior? What, how did that kind of like open like, oh, okay. Now this makes a little bit more sense. Well, when I first got there, um, I came up with a plan for monthly um, PBIS activities. Yes, she did. yes, like, you know, spirit days, um, themed months, because that's what PBIS does, where, where I came from. So I had every month, you know, a different theme, a different um, spirit day. Um, you know, because I am putting my positive behavior interventions um, into a school-wide, because actually PBIS is a school-wide yeah. um, thing. Yeah. And I think um, people forget that because they concentrate on like the what problem. Happened? Yes. Mm -hmm. the, yeah. the, Just the one percent. And really like if you do, it's like one percent. And if you take a, a um, like a school of 400, there is probably four, four like level four kids about like I would say like it's a one percent so like you know it's a school-wide where I came from it was a school-wide thing everybody worked together for the PBIS and no matter what your level was it was for everyone yeah um and so um so that's what I came with I came ready to you know work together and be one team and um when I got there, it didn't take very long to realize that PBIS was only for um, the, bad kids. Like the kids that needed it. Yeah. You know what I mean? The, the tougher kids. Yeah. Mm -hmm. And so um, that was a little shocking to me mm -hmm. um, because, and in, in, I believe, and I, you can tell me if I'm wrong, Megan, but you know, PBIS is for all kids. Mm -hmm. And because, you know, that's one thing all kids can succeed at given the chance and the level and the expectation. Um, and for me, the problem was that was a rough, um, a rough place to go into because it, there was a big it's a, like segregation thing happening of good behavior versus bad behavior. Mm -hmm. And the good kids were always uh, rewarded and the quote unquote bad kids could never make it to that level of success mm -hmm. and so they were always going to failure because there there was no way for them to say i can't i can't achieve that you know mm -hmm. so that was shocking for me yeah well um if i remember correctly though w when we were in oregon like those um 
by doing that broad based, I think that's the, the tier one, right? Is like, what are you doing for the whole school or the whole organization to try to impact positively? And like when you had those events and you hyped those up and kids were involved, um, and a lot of times you got the troubled kids, right, involved in the process of planning yes. the thing and, and, and implementing, um, like that had a positive impact on behaviors overall, right? Um, 100%. Yep. Two and tier three just yep. elevated the, the environment, right? Yes. And that was, I think, the difference of going from the PBIS position that I was in before. I did have a couple of those tough kids. But um, the problem is they were involved in the process and they were welcomed in the process, right? And so, um, you know, be, just participating, a lot of times these kids don't get that opportunity, honestly, right. to participate in those kinds of activities. So sometimes you're actually teaching them how to function and how to behave in those um, those activities because honestly they've never been able to participate in them before yeah. and that's like from home as well like you know they don't they don't get to go out to eat at a restaurant or you know they don't know what manners are when you sit at a table you know what i mean or they don't know how to help set up a field day or you know where to give those direct instructions like you know and for them like that's that's it's actually amazing for them to be able to participate and set up field day put out flags you know they're, they haven't had that adult interaction as far as like, you know, simple tasks. And um, so, so yeah, so it really did help them be part of the community, I think. Yeah. Holy moly. Yeah, baby. That's what I've been waiting for. Dear God, it's beautiful. So that, I guess we kind of touched on that. There's in the PBIS overall deal, there's tier one, tier two, and tier three, right? That's the structure. So you have to think about as an organization, mm -hmm. what are we doing overall? What is our structure? What mm -hmm. is our vision? How do we yep. want to implement that? Um, and then where you get into tier two and tier three, that's where you start to get into more individualized and more direct both mm -hmm. intervention and support, right? But in, in a, I guess in a perfect world or in a, in a better world or just overall, if your, your intervention level is kind of that base level, right? Just um, implementing things that try to more include people in the processes and, mm -hmm. and engage them. I can remember yeah. I was, it wasn't at school, but it was at a youth deal. We had a kid, um, actually um, a good friend of mine and like they were acting out. Um, but you know, like they were bored, right? the program yeah. sucked, you know? And so, you know, they're just like, Duh. and so I remember I grabbed the kid and I was like, Hey, I got to exactly like Kelsey was talking about. I need to do this and setting up for the next thing that we're doing. Would you be willing to help me? And they became hundred percent engaged mm -hmm. in that. They just didn't want to mm -hmm. do the stupid thing that honestly I wouldn't have wanted to do, you know? So it's like, Thank sometimes you. we set up these things that are stupid and, and maybe, you know, I'm thinking it in like businesses when we have, you know, mm -hmm. dumb meetings, right. And, and people are like, well, how come no one's paying attention or participating? You know, it's like, well, the meeting's stupid. Like, yeah, and no one knows why you're there, right? Like, <laughs> and no one knows why, what's happening. I mean, and yeah. if you really think about it, <clears throat> so kind of what Kelsey is describing too, one of the, the misnomers 
and the structure and vision and all those great things are students who are listening or just for the employees who are really participating no everyone should always have access to all of that right it's 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 the the concept innovation is actually called core plus more right and what we misunderstand is that if you are having a difficult time, you're getting this over yes. here, these interventions. And really it's that you're actually getting everything that's available at tier one plus more, right? So it's like people get really confused. I always think that the triangle should almost look different. Whereas like the tier one should be the whole triangle of support. And oh. then, you know, you've got these things that are kind of funneling into it. Does that make sense? Because the yeah. way we actually know it is that it's like these three different sections but that's not correct it's that everyone has access to the whole vision to the whole supports and structures and then some people need more added in yeah and so that people really misunderstand that in pbis theory and also what you guys are saying too is that like if you have someone who's disenfranchised what's the most important thing giving them art and bringing them in like building the relationship with them yeah making them feel like they're a part of the process. A part of the organization. That's too, I mean, you know, like if, okay, so something that is crazy, um, something, thankfully we learned early on um, when Kelsey and I were working with youth was kind of the, I guess the bias of lowered expectations, right? And so thankfully we learned this before we started parenting, but it was like, Mm -hmm. you know, if you're working with a group of middle schoolers, uh, in particular, and if you have a low expectation of them, right, you've set a ceiling and like the best they can do is reach that ceiling, but you almost don't expect them to. And so it becomes kind of a self-fulfilling prophecy, right? And the mm-hmm. same thing with your kids. If you're like, well, kids yeah. these days, all they are is video games and they can't do this, and they can't do that. You almost, you set up your vision becomes, you know, inadvertently that. And so mm-hmm. with, um, so is that, how how do you see that playing out like in the schools like the the and i think there's a lot of well-intentioned people that hold like low expectations right and somehow view that well if we lower the bar we help them achieve right like it's not that we're helping everybody get to um you know what do they say c's get degrees right we want people to succeed understand and, and pass through high school. It's not necessarily everybody doesn't have to get A's, but everybody needs to have a base level comprehension. But then sometimes what we inadvertently do is just lower the bar to where, well, this group of kids only has to reach this level and yeah. it's worse, right? Um, so how does that play into education and, and the intervention systems? Well, I think Kelsey was always really, really a big advocate for just having that conversation constantly about um even when i would kind of want to go like oh i think this kid needs like you know we got to kind of got to kind of go soft you know and i i just feel like i always had that conversation with Kelsey's like no this kid is gonna do this you know we can do this and but what i really think this is a it's an entangled conversation and the reason why is because it starts to touch on people's implicit bias right it starts to touch on people having lower expectations for different groups and then confirmation bias where it's like, well, I set this low expectation and then I didn't meet this low expectation. And so now that confirms my bias about this group and now I'm going to lower the expectations, you know, 
There's a lot of studies though about growth mindset um, with Carol Dweck. That's something I encourage everybody to look into growth mindset. Um, but it's just discussing, and there was just an NPR um, kind of little short snippet about it. Like the human brain is flexible and it's constantly learning and the perceptions that people have about you shape a lot of your lived experience. Mm. And so it's super important. Yeah. Yeah. Our goal at the Diojo podcast is to help you shorten your dang learning curve. So whether you're a new entrepreneur starting out, you've got your new baby, the, the business that you're building, getting it on the right financial foot, whether you're a manager trying to help your people understand some basics about um, finances or you're just you know, an individual trying to um, kind of sort things out, our last episode of the Diojo podcast, episode 30 with Torelski Davis, um, talks about just some simple and easy to execute financial um, tips for you know business owners, people, managers, all those kinds of things. There's a bit of everything for everyone. Um, so here's a clip of that. I think that's what I see a lot of contractors say someone's a good craftsman and they want to start a business. You know, they go into business for themselves, but then they don't treat that business like it's an entity that also needs credit. It needs to be paid. It needs a cut of the action. You know, And so that's um, hard, you know, when someone's a really good skilled craftsperson or technician at whatever field they're in but maybe doesn't understand the business side of things, um, you know, and, and, and setting those mm -hmm. things up. So. Absolutely. Um, because I believe that how you do anything is how you do everything. Mm. And oftentimes, however it is that you are managing your personal finances, those habits and activities can also roll yeah. over the way you're going to run business. So yeah. therefore, if I'm not paying my creditors or, if I'm finding ways to get around paying those I owe, then I'm going to go in to business as a hustler, yeah. just trying to maximize profits right. without understanding that it's about relationships, healthy building, healthy relationships. And so I am launching a program called ideas to entity, right? And that's going to help them um, lay that initial foundation to where their company and their business become credible at the initial onset mm -hmm. and not have to reverse engineer and fix things. I.e., let's make sure we have a bank account because the age of your business start with the day you open up a bank account. Let's find not just your international banks, but let's go to local banks and build a relationship. Let them know that you are existing in the community. Let's find a business address, right? Let's find a business address. Because I try to teach my clients, once you get that EIN, you have another child, just like a social security. <laughs> that is your baby. Yep. And I say this, now let's raise this baby. And if, if this baby starts making commitments, let's let this baby's word be bond, right? Mm -hmm. let's, let's let the baby's word be bond. Meaning, if you're going to get into credit relationships or loans, then you're, 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 you're letting them know that I'm in this for the long run and I do have a plan to repay. And here is my profit strategy. Here yeah. is my financials. Um, I have a CPA. I have an attorney. You know, those types of things versus 
I'm going to be using Venmo and Cash App for the rest of my life. No, you're not. You know, yeah. I tried to get them to have a vision and a plan for it. Do I really look like a guy with a plan? What's been your experience with like lowered expectations? I don't, do you guys remember, um, what is it, Mad TV? The uh, lowered expectations. It is a dating show. <laughs> it's like pairing people up that are more, um, you know, uh, in their league or whatever. So. <laughs> Well, I mean, one thing they used to do in schools, and which we've had a lot of conversation and research about this, is they used to do ability grouping. Oh. And so they would do ability grouping. And like, for instance, that would be reading was a really um, big area. So you would hear about like, you'd have the, the, you know, blue jays and the crows and... Oh the crows were the low group and like they didn't know how to read and then the blue jays you know they were the high readers and we're never going to tell the kids that of course you know the crows don't know their crows but what, what education research has found over and over again is the crows know their crows right, right. it's like i'm sitting with a bunch of kids yeah. that don't know how to read uh, exactly. i guess i figured out what group i'm in <laughs> I mean, gosh i'm trying to think of an example kelsey but i feel like kids screamed that at us you know like i know i know you know they don't think i can do it they did scream that. Like, that's literally, they did scream that at, at us. Just, they called it out. That's funny. I, that's the hardest part. Um, honestly, sometimes it was not the kids. Like, it was the adults having a conversation with the adults. Um, so, yeah, yeah, that's hard. But they did start, didn't they start, Megan, like, um, um, doing a new pilot kind of of interacting or interchanging? that people like the yeah. high groups and the low groups, medium groups. So they kind of started to kind of merge them and they were seeing some pretty good results with that. Yeah, lots of schools from, I mean, in like Washington, we don't, they're totally doing that now too. Yeah. And the hardest part and not specifically in like Washington, but in my experience has been, it's better for kids and it's best practice. But something that stuck in education a lot is that regardless of you start to talk a little bit about almost change theory and yeah. like people, people resist and they don't want to change the way they've always done things. And so that's something that I think yeah. it's really comes down to having the conversation is, and going back to your why is like, well, we're doing this because we have to change to really fulfill our need, our purpose, like, yeah, because we have a lot of research saying just that alone that like ability groups aren't great and people have changed, but a lot of teachers still hold on to what they used to do. I don't yeah. know why that is in places, companies, organizations, schools, <coughs> like people really want to do what they've always done. Well, I remember I was reading an article about like uh, football coaches in the NFL, right? And so mm -hmm. like if you come in and you do something really innovative, it's going to stand out and it's either going to succeed or mm -hmm. fail. If it fails, you're out, and the likelihood that you get rehired is low because, um, you know, it's almost like it is the low expectation. Like if you, if you play the game and you do the things that everybody else does and produce a mediocre, you know, uh, product, at least totally. people know well they play the game and they do it. They do it the right way. You know, they're not yeah. you know really shaking mm -hmm. things up. And um, yeah. um, so it's almost that would, that's very interesting right perpetuating yeah mm -hmm. so it's like as a culture we perpetuate um fitting in over yeah. you know really innovating mm -hmm. yeah, yeah.
Well, and yeah, mm -hmm. and you, whether you're a president or a CEO, you ride highs and lows, right? And it depends on where you're at in the cycle, you get credit or, or just destroyed for <laughs> yeah. your achievements yeah. and it's all interconnected, right? I mean, everything has consequences. Oh, yeah. Everybody on? Good, great, grand, wonderful. No yelling on the bus! I, I find, um, I don't know if this is something that you all agree with, but I find you know, like you're talking about people may be making unintended consequences. I think, um, I was going to say stupid. I don't know that people are necessarily stupid, but we, we do dumb things, right? Like, um, inadvertently maybe, you know, setting those low expectations or not realizing, man, this, it, I think we all realize it's not working, but yet we don't always yeah. go back to the cause, right? We just, um, and that happens all the time at work. Like, this isn't working. There's this cycle. We're not hitting our margins. Um, you know, we're not producing the quality that we want to produce. And rather than looking at the system, yeah. we're like, well, it must be these employees. Right. And so in school, it must yes. be the kids mm -hmm. or in society, it's mm -hmm. gotta be the teachers. You know, we just want to blame yep. um, increments rather than like uh, going back to the system. So I really like that. Mm -hmm. um, like you guys have been talking about the, it's the system, the people, the process. I call it the four P's, the people, the process, production, and then progress. Mm -hmm. um, and so what you've said system would be the, you know, the process, right? You got to have the vision and the process, quote unquote. So you talk about putting low achievers with high achievers. And from what you've mm -hmm. found or what the research says for the most part, that helps both. Well, I would like to say something about that. Yeah. Because um, I don't, I don't like honestly, and maybe you can, I don't know, we can, you can see how this goes. Um, is um, when teachers make it another student's responsibility to take care of that behavior. This kid, how he behaves, and act like him. Right. So that's actually kind of a big problem, you know, and, and the same thing in, in companies, you know, like, okay, why can't you do it like this work like him, go follow him, where honestly, what needs to happen, that teacher, that instructor, that CEO, that company leader needs to have a conversation like, okay, this is the expectation. This is our plan. How are we going to do that? Like, I do help you make you, you know, all of our students, like, what can we do to help you feel better about the situation? And you would be like, there were times where I was in tears, Megan was in tears, you know, um, hopefully after they had left, you know, just about what they were saying and the struggle that they were having just to be able to please their teacher or as far as like, quote unquote, mixing good kids and bad kids. Mm -hmm. um, you know, that is something that, I, I don't really think um, as far as behavior is something that is ever positive, you know, because then that also puts pressure on that other child to do something that honestly, like they're not equipped emotionally <coughs> to be able to take on. So, and it's not their job, you know? So yeah, well, 
I mean, don't you think, Megan, though? Don't yeah, you think well, that I would differentiate. So, yes, I agree with you 100%. I would differentiate, though, just for, like, listeners. Like, we don't mean that. So, in talking about having students support each other, we don't mean that there should be segregation in terms of, like, classrooms, right? Like, mixing. So, I didn't know if I could say segregation. Like, because I, I, I wanted to say that a couple times because yeah, I feel like that's what it is. Yeah, and so what we don't believe in is segregation. Like, we don't believe that there should be kids that exhibit challenging behaviors over here and kids that know what to do over here and that those two should never meet. No, that's not the case. We believe that all students should have access to a classroom that's loving and supportive. What we don't believe in, though, is what Kelsey's going to explain, is that the teacher doesn't take responsibility for those challenging behaviors and it's like you know what johnny obviously you can see that jeffrey doesn't have a hard time so johnny i'm super sorry like you're gonna follow jeffrey and jeffrey you're gonna take care yep. of that got it i'm not handling that so kelsey was describing the detriments of that for students that's much better yeah yeah correct the segregation of it it that's exactly what it is because um the responsibilities that puts on, you know, the child who isn't ha doesn't have that challenging behavior is honestly a lot of stress, you know, yeah. because, um, you know, I have I have been a parent of a child who has had a teacher delegate that information and they stress out, you know, mm -hmm. they're like, you know, my teacher told me that I was supposed to help them make better choices and to do this and to help them. And, um, you know, I have had them in tears, you know, to do that you know and they're eight years old you know what i mean and that's not that's not okay mm -hmm. so well yeah exactly that right when when a, a manager like in the workplace yeah. or a teacher in the classroom says basically here you deal with this person you know they abdicate their um responsibility because that's a it happens in the workplace too right mm -hmm. day one you come in and uh, they're like, all right, here's your T-shirt and uh, your your employee manual. Read that real quick and sign it. Just don't worry about it. And then here you're being paired up with uh, mm -hmm. Hank over here. And, uh, yep, they're going to handle yeah. your training. And Hank's only been with the company for two weeks, you know. So, <laughs> and then yeah. somehow yeah, that's – the danger in that because – yeah and that's the information they're getting right and so that's like what I always think about is like think about the danger in that is that like this person got trained by Hank <clears throat> this person got trained by Tom and this person got trained by Julie and yeah. none of them have a really solid idea of what is supposed to be happening right yeah. and so like that's talking about a huge like issue in your tier one structure yeah yeah you also have that issue too of like now you have quote unquote um the good kids helping the kids yes. so you're you're automatically like segregating that kid from the whole rest of the classroom so mm -hmm. which is also a problem yeah well but the, the the bigger the bigger issue though is people that have a role and a responsibility supposedly the training supposedly yes. the vision and the values these same people would tell you we have a process, we have a value system, we, yes. you know, they'll boast on LinkedIn, you know, well, I structure da 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 da. And then mm -hmm. what they're doing is um, just kind of throwing their responsibilities off to somebody else. And, mm -hmm. uh, and in the workplace, right, it's like, uh, I think we talked about that, it was like episode 17 with Eric Sprague, where you know, we're asking 18, 19, 20 year olds to go into people's homes and provide this quality of service. Right. And then if you tack onto it, they're supposed to be training somebody else. 
Well, that person, that kid may be good at math, right? For themselves, they've got a way of understanding it, but maybe they don't know how to communicate that to somebody else effectively, right? And the same thing with a person, maybe, well, I've been here three weeks and this is what I figured out, but I don't know if it's right or if it's wrong, you know, and, and it's yeah. just kind of perpetuating. There's no going back to how you said it. There's no structure. Maybe there's a vision, right? There's a poster on the wall that says these are our vision and our mission and our values, but nobody's actually implementing or following that. So you get well, an it's not also, yeah. And it's not also, I mean, structure is a big part of it, but it's also stanima. Yeah. Like, um, you, a lot of people don't have the stanima for it. And, um, I mean, you can, you have to have stanima and to be able to stick with it, to be consistent, to have your message clear. And mm -hmm. so we can sit and have a conversation. So sit and consult you come up to be able through, then it's not going to work. It's going to fail. Mm -hmm. And so I think that's a huge thing too. You, you know, whatever the saying is, you're show me your network i'll show you your net worth your five best friends determine you know the ceiling whatever i just had to make a phone call today and now that i'm a distinguished author you know with over 80 books sold um how do i know i have over 80 books sold i bought 80 copies <laughs> maybe the only 80 copies but um, now that I'm leveled up, um, I, I have to tell a couple of my friends that didn't make the cut. Uh, um, you know, I'm here and, um, you know, I'm just maybe not seeing the growth and the wealth and the success in them that, um, you know, I need to reach. And so... You know, I think it's it's important to be direct, to be candid um, with employees, with your friends, you know, whoever you deal with, and uh, with your kids, everyone, and just let them know, hey, I'm, you know, I'm leveling up, I'm increasing my net worth, uh, you know, I'm selling books buy the single digits at, you know, just over $10 a piece. And what are you doing? Well, that, that comes to uh, what you guys call the, uh, the will, the chill and the skill, right? Um, mm -hmm. Having the will to succeed having, and that's what everybody has to bring to the table, right? Is um, whether you're a teacher or um, an administrator, a manager, whatever it is, you yourself have to bring to the table the will to succeed. The system needs to provide the tools to equip you, right? So that you can have the skills to succeed. And then like you're so, talking about Kelsey with the stamina, you have to have the chill, right? Because <laughs> um, I think we talked about offline. I worked in a home for a short while uh, for um, elderly, high-risk um, people. And there's this one gal, her MO was if she got backed into a corner, she started throwing her poop. <laughs> and uh, I remember hearing that and thinking like, excuse me? And, uh, and so the person that trained me, <laughs> the person that trained me was like, um, you know, yeah, she can do this. 
But if you do exactly like you're talking about, if the structure's in place, you're treating her like a human, you know, mm-hmm. you're using your words and listening to, mm-hmm. you know, the cues and listening to her when she's escalating, you will avoid getting poop flung mm-hmm. in your face. Yeah. But if you're going to be a jerk, mm-hmm. not pay attention to the cues, not follow the systems of support, then, you know, the likelihood yeah. that uh, poop's going to be flung is, is high, you know, so. Um, number two. I'm going to get a face full of poop. So yeah, I I like that. Uh, That was probably one of my favorite conversations that we had was the, that will chill and skill. Cause I think that really applies um, to a lot of things. So how do you, the two of you, how do you have the chill when um, it's pretty amazing. Some of the stories you guys have talked about when, you know, small little kids can do some crazy things when, um, you know, they're, mm-hmm. they're acting out, right? They're mad. Like, scars. Yep. Bruises and scars. And, and, um, um, well, at one point, Megan, you got a concussion, right? Oh yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So, and that wasn't a big person. I mean, that's, we're not, you're not dealing with high schoolers. <laughs> no, they're... What are some closing? Have we touched all the things? Um, what, uh, I, I think I was teasing you guys. There's, a uh, uh, six reasons why PBS is a terrible. So anything that, uh, that works, right. There's, uh, there's always going to be objections. And so every time people say it doesn't work, it's disrespectful, punishes the good kids. Um, it puts the teachers at the mercy of student behavior. It's coercive and manipulative. It's terrible. Uh, so, uh, how, what do you have to say for yourselves? Uh, PBS is terrible. What do you have to say? That sounds, sounds accurate. That sounds accurate, right? Yeah. I think I heard that. That was on my end of the year review. Mm-hmm. <laughs> <laughs> why, why do you think people's perceptions is that uh, positive behavior is such a negative thing? I mean, you talked about already that people protect the status quo and don't want to change, right? But what? That's right. Why, why do you think people object to, at the core, you're trying to offset negative behaviors with positive interventions, yeah. and if they escalate, how do you support right. the, the thought is how do you support that kid? Right. So yeah. why, why well, do people object so vehemently? Um, I mean, I know why a hundred percent because I actually have heard all those things because it's, um, and the bottom line is it's challenging. You have to drop your defenses, be ready and willing to learn constantly and evolve and change and have the conversation. And it's harder it's just harder. It's easier to, it's easier not to give people the benefit of the doubt. It's easier to exclude people. It's easier to put kids over here, put people over and they're not fitting in the way you want to do things. Um, It's harder. And so when things are harder, people, people do lose their stamina and they do want to give up and they want to make it easier for themselves. And so you have to come to, you have the ability to see the greater good mm-hmm. and you have to come to the ability with the ability to see that you know if you can really figure out what to do you're not just changing your classroom you're changing people's lives mm-hmm. yeah. yeah that's a bigger picture yeah maybe we should be doing something more meaningful with our lives like helping people Well, I think too, yeah, that's, 
like you, I think you hit the nail on the head. Like it is harder, right? But it's harder initially to set up the system, right? Because yes. it is a change. It's a change of mindset. It's a change of habits. Yeah. Um, mm-hmm. um, but I mean, the reality is that's uh, like people object to it, right? In management and things like that. Well, these, these modern, I mean, we want to call them millennials or Gen Z or whatever. And like, it's stupid to yeah. give those titles because it's, the current workforce. So if you say millennials, you say That's gen- correct. I think I say it all the time. Mm-hmm. Yeah. It's the current workforce. So if you're having problems, then you're really going to struggle because that's what it is. And it's the current workforce. Yeah. And it's going to get worse, right? Meaning it's going to change. You're going to have to adapt. You can't do the same old things. Mm-hmm. And, um, yep. and so learning to work with new generations, those kinds of things, um, is, is essential. You have to always be adapting. So any, um, any closing thoughts? I think, uh, I think we touched a lot on, you know, how it applies to schools. We'll probably have to follow up on how it applies to businesses. Once you guys launch, you know, step up to success for organizations. Um, any, um, closing thoughts or any other things, Kelsey, was there anything else that you wanted to touch on? Um, no, I just think like that, I think it all starts with the conversation. And I think, um, that most of the time people are just afraid to have that conversation. And then also I think people are surprised about how the conversation will go actually, if you do have a conversation. Mm-hmm. So I would say, give the conversation a try. Yep. I mean, and uh, you know, we've had conversations, Megan and I, and gotten literally yelled at, but you know what the thing is like with them being so angry and upset on the conversation but the thing is that actually is progress you know and so even if you're getting yelled at um you know from having that conversation like at least you're making some kind of progress and you're gaining some kind of understanding to Mm -hmm. what actually is happening yep are you are you talking about like having that conversation with uh in your case a kid that's acting out is that what you're talking about I think both. With an um, yep. Mm-hmm. Um, specifically, um, it's an adult because um, just trying to get the transformation pattern of progress, um, yeah. they're tired. They don't want to do it. Yeah. Um, and so um, that statement is particularly probably towards like adults. Well, but that's the thing, like everybody's friggin' tired, right? We're all being asked to do more with less, right? Constantly. And every year it's more and it's less, right? You, you're being asked to do more and you're being asked to do it with less. But I think what really has to get into people's minds, if you're, you know, on that management ladder is <clears throat> if you're continuing to do the same old things, you're going to just get the same old results. Not only that, it is yeah. going to get worse because it's changing. And so, um, so having that conversation, don't be scared, right? Is that basically your, your uh, recommendation to people is don't be scared. I, I love that because like you said, conflict is progress because if people are voicing what is frustrating them or making them tired, then at least you can address it. Whereas like if it's passive aggressive and people aren't actually saying what they're, I can think of a recent issue at work where people were talking and it didn't go particularly well, right? But the important thing to understand is if people are talking about it, you can actually address it. Whereas if people leave the meeting and they're just 
having their little conversations on the side, then you as the manager, you're not controlling, not controlling the conversation, but you're, you don't have any input in how that conversation yeah. goes or where it goes. Because once everybody mm -hmm. leaves that room, they're going to have those little conversations mm -hmm. anyways. Um, so it's better to have it most of the time in a public forum so that you can steer the direction and, and actually. Yeah. Um, and knowing that it's not a conversation, it's a, it's conversations. Mm -hmm. yeah, like yeah. It, there's yeah. going to be multiple, oh, you yeah. know what I mean? There always will be multiple and that's, but yeah, starting with the one conversation, but um, it's going to be conversations. Yeah. yeah. Well, and if you're trying to change something, people are probably going to have, um, you know, pretty uh, entrenched ideas. And yeah, I mean, that's the one thing none of us like is, you know, for the most part it's changed. Right. So yeah. <laughs> what the well, hell? Don't be afraid when they yell. I remember the first time I got yelled at, I was kind of freaked out because I was thinking like, Oh my God, you're like 60 years old. I can't believe you're just screaming in my face <laughs> like that. You know what I mean? And Megan's like, it's fine. Like, you know, well, you know, and cause I was just, you know, and then realizing like, okay. And then once it started more happening, like you just mm -hmm. don't get offended by it. You know what I mean? Because you, you're just listening to them. Like that's what you need to do in that conversation. Like you need to listen to them and mm -hmm. then know that you understand and then come with not necessarily like a solution like that moment, but just listen to them, you know? Yeah. Well, but, but most schools and most organizations, right. It's flavor of the month, right. You know, the, yeah. somebody goes to some friggin' conference Mm -hmm. And they have a, a half-wit idea. They they understand a fraction of whatever that conference was about. Manager yeah. comes back, things are going to be different. We're now doing this. Here's the book. You guys read it, and uh, <laughs> yeah. this is what we're doing, right? Yeah. You know? And so if you're a teacher or you're an employee, you're thinking like, oh, great. You know, yeah, sure. It's going to be different this time. Uh-huh, uh-huh. You know, so, um, so if you are actually trying to change something, you know, expect people. Because that teacher probably the last time they wanted to change something blew up in the principal's face, the principal backed down and they were able to quash it. Right. You know, so yeah. if you're the one that's going to keep coming with it, you know, eventually you have to retrain the behavior, right? That's a yeah. positive behavior, right? Yeah. So, um, how about you, Megan, any um, closing thoughts or things that you want to touch with the thousands viewing and listening to this I don't know. Uh, never had such a great platform before. Yeah, you're welcome. So thank you. Yeah, you know, um, the the truth is that I really want people to take away from this is that it does, it it, it really does cast a wide net into many different uh. Uh, organizations because <laughs> this is, and I've said it multiple times, but this is the heart of human behavior, right? And if you can really figure out how to reach people, then you can do anything in any organization. So yeah. Stay tuned yeah. for episode two. There you go. Yep. And step up to success, the book for um, businesses and organizations, right? So okay. um, sweet. Well, I appreciate it. I, uh, I've, I know I've thought a lot about the tears. Um, I think constantly about the will, the chill, and the skill, you know, which is uh, something mm -hmm. that you guys coined. Um, so um, that's great. Thank you so much for your time and hopefully people get a lot out of this and uh, you're welcome. Yeah, 
like we mentioned right there at the end, the will, the chill, the skill, right? If you personally want to develop professionally, personally or professionally, um, you have to have the will to succeed um, uh, and you need to develop skills, right? And then you have to have the chill that when you know things are getting tested or the ideas that you're working on those kinds of things especially you know when you're a manager and you're training others and you've got all these things going on having the the chill under pressure I think there's a lot of people that are very skilled but um, don't always maintain the will to keep improving um, and don't always have the chill and sometimes that's the difference between technical um, knowledge and proficiency, right? Um, or some people call it smarts and wisdom, right? You may know it all in your head, but you have the wisdom to be able to implement it when it's actually needed. Or you have the technical knowledge, but you have the proficiency, the ability, the life experience to be able to implement it when it's needed. And so the will, the chill, the skill, um, I've talked about that and written about that a few times. but. Uh, I think overall, I hope what you get from the conversation is a lot of just um, kind of personalizing your approach, right? Um, yourself, so if you're an individual, you know, advocating for yourself and communicating when you need additional support so that, you know, so people know, um, you know, that you're you're hardworking, you're intelligent, and you're, and you're wanting to learn, um, but uh, you need some extra help. And then also as a manager, you know, or someone leading others, trying to decipher whether is this person just um, not getting it and there's a different way we need to present the information or, you know, are they not responding to the, the system? And a lot of times, you know, we think our systems are clear. That's the point of common sense is, uh, the video we did on common sense is, is just that. It's like people don't have your same upbringing, your same perspective, your same experiences. So to expect them to just magically, you know, oh, I get it, you know, it is not the case. It's you want to bring people that are going to embrace your culture, but also enhance it, right? So you need differences, different perspectives, different skill sets. And so, um, you know, just understanding that people are individuals, finding ways to support them does not mean in any way you're letting people get away with uh, crap they shouldn't be getting can't learn them. I'm ready to go in, coach. Just give me a chance. I know there's a lot riding on it, but it's all psychological. Just got to stay in a positive frame of mind. So there'll be an article coming soon with claims pages uh, on this topic of uh, who's responsible for common sense in your organization and having more of a scientific approach to how you break down issues. You see dysfunction, you see an issue. You know, what, what you want to make sure is that you're treating the causes and not just the symptoms because you'll always be chasing symptoms if, uh, if you get caught up in them. And so, you know, something like the uh, people not ratcheting down the equipment or equipment getting broken and focusing just on that and, you know, beating people up for those things as opposed to, you know, have we trained them? So I'd like to talk about clarity, consistency, accountability. Everybody wants to focus on accountability. Accountability, accountability. Let's hold people accountable. And, um, <clears throat> but the organization and the people in a position of leadership haven't been clear about what the vision and values are, whether they actually reflect the culture. Your culture is what's going on, not what you wish were going on, right? That's the difference between aspirational values and actual values, right? 
And so, um, you know, if you want to stop putting out fires and start preventing them. Hey, it's happening. Everybody stay calm. What's the procedure, everyone? Calm. What's the procedure? Stay calm. Wait, 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 wait. Everybody calm down. You have to start thinking a bit more scientifically. What is causing these issues? Why do they keep reoccurring? You know, why is this um, seem to be cyclical, right? We're on a merry-go-round. Let's get off the merry-go-round and actually fix something, right? So, uh fleshing that out in that article hopefully that's um <laughs> not to plug but uh why why else are we here right my new book be intentional estimating developing the right mindset and habits for yourself and your team to succeed with estimating property insurance claims so um you know building a structure from the ground up um this isn't a book about every detail of estimating but more of setting up the process so that the organization, the estimators, and those coming up in the system have a clear idea of how to achieve the goals, right? So a lot of that comes down to structure and process, people, process, production, progress, and uh, a lot of that's captured in this stinking book. It is priced to be accessible. It's only $10.53 in print, $8.88 on Kindle and uh, packed with value. How do I know? <laughs> I certified it myself. Uh, look, I just read it right now. That's all That's all it takes. And boom, I'm a better business person. This for I'm pretty. Yep, better. <laughs> this is the stupidest thing I've ever heard.